Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Sorry for the interruption. I have been rather preoccupied these past few Fridays. Uh, Last Friday, I had some family over, which is why I'm taking a break. But beyond that, uh, we're back on track, ready to get started with the Sin Hunter's next tale. And speaking of, I've recently been watching some YouTube videos. Yeah, it's not really something I'm proud of. But regardless, I've come up with some new inspiration for a new story that's going to be coming up here real soon. The story is called Home World Bound, and I think you'll really enjoy it. More on that at the end of the episode. Alright, let's get started. Now, if we pick up where we last left off, you'd assume that Dr. Cynthia found something horrifying, something absolutely terrible. But through the dimly lit hallways, snaking and spiring all throughout the palace, past kitchens, banquets, and even display cases, Cynthia finally found an antique set of armor. It was the previous Platinum Knight design, but she threw it on anyways. Whew, talk about a workout. Regardless, I'm glad to be wearing something that has some decent protection. Dr. Cynthia walked back out into the hall, taking careful note to always have her visor flip down whenever people or guests walked by. But eventually, she made her way past a long library. It was the Golden Knight's professional study, filled with not only books, but ruby knights lining the walls and walkways. Dr. Cynthia entered, but shockingly, when she was met with a ruby knight, she got a strange answer. Do not fret, Cynthia. We of the ruby mages do not interfere in matters with our master. Cynthia jumped, admittedly, but returned to her natural, confident aura. Okay, and you are? We are the Ruby Knights, more mages than knights at this point, but nonetheless, we got the libraries in the King's private study. Cynthia nodded. Well, it's at least nice to note that this place is safe from attackers. The Ruby Knight, their scarlet visor shining beneath, an, beneath a massive red hood, smiled. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Doctor. The gala, if you must know, is to the right and down the hall. Follow until the second to last right. Dr. Cynthia nodded, then set off. Thanks, she called, as the silver-armored adventurer disappeared around the corner. Meanwhile, Jack slunk through the hallways, avoiding any and all faces he might recognize. Key among these possible attackers was Azazel, who would occasionally poke his little head out from around a corner or behind a knight's shoulder. But Jack was most worried about the Emerald Knights. Now, this is where I'm going to be brief with you. If you've ever watched one of those weird YouTube Minecraft videos where the thumbnail is a character in way too bulky armor, you've probably seen it, that's basically what these guys look like. Decked to the teeth in emerald slathered and embedded armor, topped off with giant claymores and maces of varying sizes, these guards were somehow everywhere, despite their inferiority when it came to numbers. Jack made his way over to a buffet table, lined with food and drinks for all to share and enjoy. Jack grabbed a simplistic, sparkling glass of some kind of juice, and he then turned and ran into the Council of the Platinum Knights. These folks were elegantly dressed in black and white, with their respective helmets cloaking their true identities. Each mask, Jack realized, resembled something like the Natajek or the Mohoaz gods, with none being exactly the same as the other. Jack was about to engage in conversation when two more things happened. First and foremost, he saw his father's symbol engraved on one of the knights' backs, and second, that teleporting businessman from earlier was in the hallway, fighting someone causing one of the ruckus. Hey, you cheated! Not as bad as yourself there, bub! It looked like Shrap was wrestling with some pot-bellied hustler who seemed indefinitely wore the part. They were in a heated battle in the grand hallway, scattering guests everywhere. But finally, Jack found what he was looking for. Sitting on the pedestal, seated far away, in wide-open view, was a single glittering gemstone. This was his key to escaping from hell. The Time Hopper's Topaz, a relic from the Old Kingdom. The Old Kingdom was long before anything else, like Goldenhelm, had existed. It was basically fast travel in hell since you could use it instead of elevators to get where you needed to go. It was faster, more environment friendly, and very efficient. 
Jack sees the commotion and confusion by the throat, dashing through the maze of pillars and almost reaching his goal. Instead, he smashed into a platinum knight, decked in full suit. Jack sat up ready to fight when the knight lowered their hands. Hey, hey! Lower your gun, you moron! It's me! Jack, Jack's eyes widened and a smile returned. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, good to see you again. Are we getting out of here or what? Dr. Cynthia threw off her armor and nodded. Yeah, let's go. Not so fast, scoundrels! A voice boomed from everywhere. Jack immediately shifted his gears. The sloth attire burned away in hellish fire, revealing his coal-black trench coat and fedora. His angel guns were out and loaded, white flames etched across the handle, and standing before him was the Golden Knight, with one hand in his pocket, the other on a lance. Nice try, Sin Hunter. I admit, you've got guts. But I don't take kindly to you or your empty threats of sorrow and terror. Jack stepped forward, tugging his guns away and drawing the withering bite from its sheath. At this, the Golden Knight removed a rapier tipped with diamonds from his lance's hilt. Hmm, not bad. But I'll demolish you yet. Diamond and Silver Knights moved in, and the Golden Knight held his hand up. Stop! This is my fight and mine alone. Anyone who dares to harm the Sin Hunter while engaged in combat shall be escorted from my ranks. I believe in honor and fair judgment, after all. Jack dodged around the rapier's thrust and slammed his elbow into the non-padded segment of the knight's armor. Satan staggered backwards, but righted himself, charging and thrusting again. He almost seemed to be locking Jack into a circle of thrusts. But the Sin Hunter was no fool. He noticed this and he acted on it. Jack vaulted over the attack and landed, throwing his fist into the Golden Knight's helmet. But Satan retaliated by spinning to block the attack, and he backhand slapped the Sin Hunter, which led to an applause from the now-growing audience. Cynthia tried to slip away, but she was met with a zazel. Fancy meeting you here, kitty cat. But Cynthia pulled out her knife and straight up stabbed the prince. Flame poured out onto the polished quartz floor, and Rathnoia's warlord collapsed, clutching his chest. The dagger had long melted in his gut, but Dr. Cynthia pulled out a grappling hook she had been designing in sloth. Okay, first run. Please, please let this work. The hook spun from its center and locked onto the ceiling. She swung up into the air and then yelled overhead, Sin Hunter, we gotta go! Jack heard the message, and he charged forward, kicking the Golden Knight down. For the first time in all his years, Satan had been bested. Game over, pal. Wish I could talk more, but... Jack slammed his steel-toed boot into the Golden Knight, putting the once-dominant ruler down for the count. TKO. I do have justice in spades. Jack leapt up into the air and grabbed onto Dr. Cynthia as the duo swung away. The guards tried to fight, but they were hesitant in following their leader's rule. And so they remained, escorting guests and visitors out the doors and away from the fire that consumed the Great Hall, and Azazel, whose eyes burned brighter than ever before. The true spirit of wrath engulfed him, and additional bones grew from his body. The prince's fiery biker's gear was shredded away from his skeleton, which grew and warped, twisting his bony fingers into broadswords, and fangs like the teeth of a bear trap protruding from his now-evident snout. He roared with anger, flooding his veins and his voice. Jack had only just gotten out of the building when he heard the blood-chilling shriek from within the palace. Oh, that's not good. Dr. Cynthia turned around and then stopped, letting Jack run ahead a little bit. You get out of here. I need to let off some steam. She stomped forward, removing her glasses, and her casual clothes morphed into dragon's wings, her hair changing into crystallized spikes. You might as well head out. I'll catch up. Jack watched in awe as his best friend shifted and turned into something of a true nightmare, indescribable to the point that no one could ever say for sure exactly what happened. But Jack viewed the fight of the century as Cynthia, once his friend and now a giant crystallized dragon thing, battled against a giant flaming hellhound. The two fought back and forth, eventually crashing into buildings and tearing a giant hole in the plaza out front of the Golden Knight's castle. Jack ran over and saw the destruction. 
Azazel was gone, leaving nothing more than carnage and destruction, as well as giant ashy footprints. And Dr. Cynthia was badly wounded, laying in the geode-clustered caves under the city. Jack tucked withering by the way, and slid down into the ravine, stopping where his injured associate was. That was insane! Are you alright? Dr. Cynthia coughed. <coughs> yeah, I think. I can't say for sure, but it was then that the two looked down to see Jack's hand resting on a massive wound, about the size of his glove. Yeah, that explains it. I'm in too much excruciating pain to even scream. Can you please take your hand off? Jack nodded and instantly scooped her up. Hmm. Well, we can't go back in the way we came. Or we can't go back the way we came in, so I guess we're going through the caves. Dr. Cynthia rolled her eyes under her hair and glasses. I really don't care. Let's just go. Jack nodded. Okay. Together, they slowly advanced deeper into the glittering caverns below. Up on the surface, Lucifer arrived at the gates to Goldenhelm, only to see the destruction and chaos ensuing. He gasped and immediately slammed his scepter down, slowing everything to a halt. Everyone and everything stopped in motion, and only one figure moved forward. The Golden Knight, his mask scarred and shattered, revealing an imp's scar surrounded by a single, or surrounding a single emerald eye. My lord of hell, who guides us on the path of waking and of dreaming, forgive me. Lucifer smiled. He leaned down and whispered to avoid anyone else hearing. Satan, my friend, I have not forgotten your service yet. The Golden Knight looked up. What? He sputtered. Lucifer looked forward again. I bring condolences to your palace. Where is Azazel? From behind a building, a fiery body emerged, coated in flames, but still retaining the barbed tail and cowboy hat. Here I am, Lucifer. The King of Hell turned in shock to see his prince of rage in such a shattered form. Father above and me below, what happened? Lucifer asked, as he and the Golden Knight rushed over to exhaust the flames. Azazel waved them away and clenched his jaws, letting steam escape. His hellish nose and ears shrank away, burning into his skull and revealing a fiery gash in his right eye. I guess that's two scars. One for each eye. The Golden Knight knelt down and held up his ring. Hold on, my friend. We can easily repair your fragment in mine. Azazel stopped. I have to find a scientist. Morpheus emerged from the elevator, bearing his armor and his iconic steel mask beneath his tentacle beard and hat. You have no cause to hunt down Dr. Cynthia. If she ever enters Kyberine again, she will be charged with treason against her people, and therefore shall be burned at the stake until death. Lucifer stood up. Asmodeus and Beelzebub are not here. Why is that? Satan was shockingly the first answer. They have their own agendas to attend to. We've caused enough damage already. Let's not bother them with our troubles. Lucifer nodded. Very well. I'll contact them, but warn them to keep away from their conflict unless absolutely necessary. Lucifer nodded. Very well. We'll go back to my hall. There you may rest and regroup. I will alert the other two princes of hell of the growing struggle. Jack continued to climb through the maze of gemstones and spiraling pillars of glowing crystals. Dr. Cynthia tucked her glasses into her pocket and instead chose to hang silently, conserving energy. Hey, just a question. Couldn't you by any chance transform into something a little more pain-tolerant? It's not easy jumping over these rocks and you have to whimper every time. Dr. Cynthia shook her head. Sorry, I'm in too much pain to concentrate, and as a result, transforming isn't an option. Jack nodded. Okay, I'll try to be more careful going through these caves. You shouldn't have to, a shadowy figure said, announcing their presence to the caves. Jack spun around, his gun out. Who are you? he asked in defense. A figure emerged from their shadows, their cloaked and spiked armor shining from the lighting. You need not fear me, nor point that peace shooter at me, Sin Hunter. You'll do no damage to this armor, I boast. Jack lowered his gun. All right, then. Do you know a way out of these caves, at least? Jack questioned. Hmm. 
These caves have no end. They arc for miles in any and all directions, never ending. And I doubt you'd want to meet Topaz's Talos. Jack stared at the figure's mask in confusion. Talos? As in a dragon? The shadowy man said nothing more on the matter. I will escort you to my castle. It's not far from here, and you may rest in... You know what? Anything works at this point. We're in a hurry, Jack said, slowly letting Cynthia rest on the ground. Do you have anything that might heal her? The figure strode over, his tattered and shredded cloak gliding across the mess of crystals and jewels. Hmm, perhaps. I have but one capsule left until I return, but you are free to use it. The figure gave Jack a small vial filled with red liquid and blue patterns from their iron gauntlet. Let her drink this. It's a healing tonic of sorts. Jack nodded and gave his injured friend the tonic. Instantly, Dr. Cynthia's blood began to cease, and her breathing became easier. Jack smiled, knowing that she was safe again. Thank you, ever so much. How can we repay you? The figure smiled beneath his many scars and his bladed helmet. There is no need. Now then, come with me. I will take you back to my palace. There, you may find what you are looking for. You know what? I figure we may as well just finish this while we can. Uh, if you don't know that... Hooded figure, he's from one of my previous stories, so I'll just let you decipher that. Remember, spiked armor, cloak, strange mask, arm gauntlets. Think about that. Three years later. Mm-mm. One sec, I got it. Jack picked up the phone, the cool breeze of Utah blowing through his hair. He no longer boasted his white face, gold eyes, or charcoal black hair. He was himself again, back in the living world. Hey, how's it going? Hello. Yeah, it's going pretty well. More than a few hundred miles away, Dr. Cynthia sat in her apartment in New York. Her husband, a famous geologist and marine biologist, hurriedly cleaning up things all around the back, while, the, while Dr. Cynthia's children ran around it happily. Well, that's good to hear. Are you going to be sending the kids down here again for the holidays? Yeah, they deserve a good break, and I figured you might as well teach them a little bit about cattle wrestling. I think I might be going for a little bit, but I'll leave him in charge with Jake. He's a good guy. Jake and Jack? Really? What? Best detective agency in the world? Cattle wrestling? We offer some good deals for and fun times for kids. Well, I can't say anything more on that. Dr. Cynthia looked out the window over the shimmering New York City skyline. Jack, I I know it's been a while, but you don't need to say anything. That life in hell that you had before, it's gone. You're here in the living world. You're safe. Okay. Thanks. Jack smiled and stepped off the porch into the flowing grass. You're welcome. Call you soon. Alright, bye. Jack flipped his phone shut and looked into the trees far beyond. Almost in the skyline, as the sun began to set, and shadows cast across the golden trees, you could almost see Jack's father and his mother holding out their hands. And Jack took one last breath in. I know, Pa. I'm coming. Jack strode through the fields, recalling everything that he had done in his life. He took off his fedora and hung it up on an old rack. He strode into the forest, took one last look all around his surroundings at the beautiful clearing he had set up his shop in, all the work he had done. I'm going to miss this place. 
And with that, Jack took one last step and vanished into the trees. And that's the end of the story. I had more planned, but I realized that we're kind of running on a time bomb here. I have more stuff I need to take care of, and I really like to get in new stories. I know that it's great getting to talk about the Sin Hunter, but there's more characters that I'd love to make that are more... It would be devastating if they died sort of characters. And believe me, I've had a lot of names sitting on the sidelines and a lot of remodeling to do. So I hope you enjoy these next few stories. But this is the end for the Sin Hunter. So let us raise our glasses and tip our hats to the greatest detective who ever lived.